Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. On this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast, I get the privilege of sitting down with my colleague, business partner, and friend, Chris Seveny. Uh, Chris and I have gr grown pretty close in the last uh, couple of years. He's been a mentor to me in the note space for about four years now. His divorce, uh, we dive into some financial hardships. We dive into some challenges with his health and also uh, with his uh, previous job. Um, so, which I think, you know, a lot of you out there can probably relate to at least one of those things. So um, the way he's handled this adversity is pretty incredible. Uh, one of his good friends who I met a few weeks ago, who knew has known Chris since college, has just been incredibly uh, blown away by Chris's turnaround. And so I know a lot of us in the, the mortgage note space kind of follow Chris and you know, appreciate his work ethic and the amount of uh, success he's had in the last few years specifically, but we don't really know too much about, you know, why, uh, what, you know, what he's overcome to get where he is. And, um, you know, I think that human element is, is really what this podcast is focused on. And, and we, this episode in particular dives uh, a great deal into Chris's adversity and how now he's uh, using that adversity to live a life of abundance. Hope you get as much out of it as I did. Enjoy. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am joined, I'm Jamie Bateman, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Chris Seveny. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Jamie. How are you today? 
I'm doing very well. Um, yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, for those who don't know Chris, Chris and I are business partners and partners on a podcast together that Chris started, the, the Good Deeds Note Investing Podcast. Um, so we know each other quite well. Um, we've we've, we've in, even met once. We, we've even <laughs> met once in the last, uh, within the last, what, three weeks, I think. Yeah, um, took like four and, years, but finally met. <laughs> I told somebody, I look forward to meeting Chris again in 2026. But um, we've worked very closely together in the last couple of years, for sure. But, um, you know, I'm excited. I was excited to have you on, Chris, because I know, you know, you've gone through some personal adversity and things we're going to get into. But in a lot of ways, you turned it around. And um, I mean, so many people look up to you in the in the note investing space and real estate investing space. Uh, because of your success. So I'm excited to have you on. I'm going to have to pretend I don't know certain things and, you know, because I know our audience, not everybody knows everything about you, but um, I'm excited to have you. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Are you excited or are you nervous about what I'm going to say? <laughs> you never know what Chris is going to say. This is true. Um, so we'll see where this goes. It should be a lot of fun. So for the audience who's un who are unfamiliar with you, uh, walk us through kind of just give, give us a snapshot of who you are today with your, you know, your occupation and, and uh, what's going on today. Sure. So today uh, I work for a real estate developer in the Washington DC area. I've worked there for about six years. I've been in real estate for a little over 25 years. And also uh, over the last decade, I've really started to build my personal portfolio within real estate because that's what I know. That's what I'm good at. I, well, I think I'm good at. Uh, I am a father with a awesome wife and two lovely children who are awesome as well. In my spare time, which is very limited, uh, I do enjoy things that are probably sports related, either watching sports or doing something in team group activities. Well, I, I think one of the, the challenges with this episode is you're going to constantly downplay your accomplishments, <laughs> but I can tell you and the listeners out there that, you know, yes, there are other people who have done more in the note space, for example, than you have, of course, but um, in the short amount of time you've been in mortgage note investing, you've just blown up and you've managed what five, five or six note funds and, um, probably purchased 500 notes and, um, and, uh, doing very well in the space for sure. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to fill in some, some gaps there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm not here to brag or anything. Uh, right. yes, we bought probably over about 500 assets over the last five years, uh, I think a lot of that comes to just being taking advantage of opportunities, but also being open, honest, transparent with people and letting them know what goes on. And I think once you do that, you build a relationship with people that can grow uh, and allows you to grow your business. Well, I know a lot of the people who do know you in the space. One of the questions that often comes up is how, how do you do all this? And I know you did a webinar because you were mm -hmm. prodded to do a webinar maybe a year and a half ago or something on kind of how you go through your, your day or your week, because you do have a full-time job, but somehow you managed to do very well outside of that as well. So mm -hmm. we've covered that, you know, Somewhat, but I think something that people don't get a lot is why. And so yeah. I want to get into your backstory and kind of your, why do you pursue these, um, you know, the, the, the businesses and investing. So mm -hmm. walk us through your backstory, if you would. 
Yeah. So uh, my story, I'll start with 2008 uh, and really the real estate uh, crash. I was working for a, I left a, a company I worked for for 10 years in 2007 because I was just burnt out and I just needed uh, to slow down a little bit. And I went to go work for a smaller local developer who was actually based in Washington, D.C. And uh, they also were out of Texas and they needed somebody to come in and run kind of their multifamily department, which I came on board and I was there for about a year. And then, you know, Lehman Brothers happened and everything else happened. And a lot of their money was coming from, I believe, from Lehman or from one of those firms. A week after Lehman, I walk, I get there. I'm usually, I literally live like a mile from the office and I was, I'd go to the gym in the morning and then I would um, go into the office and I went to go to the gym and I seen all the executive cars there that day. And I'm like, you know, that was odd. So I go to the gym and the cars are there and nobody's there. Uh, when I get to the office and it's like, I don't know, eight, eight thirty in the morning. And all of a sudden around nine o'clock, my boss comes in and hands me a letter, closes my door and says, just so you know, about 90% of the office is getting laid off today. The company's shutting down. You've got an existing project you're working on. And we, um, right now, this is a letter basically that says your employment's till Thanksgiving, end of November. And this was on October 1st. And I basically had like seven days to review and sign off on the letter. And if I didn't, then basically didn't have a job. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, oh boy. And like at this time, you know, 2007. So I was what 32 ish years old. And, you know, I never had to like get a personal attorney involved or anything like this. So it's kind of like, you know, you're shaking, you're freaking out um, and so forth. So I kind of review it, you know, basically nobody that day got anything done who was still left and uh, basically get an attorney review it. And they're basically like, you kind of got to sign the letter. Uh, so I signed it, which would give me employment till uh, that Thanksgiving timeframe. Uh, about two weeks after that happens, um, I was calling my old company and I was go talking to them about opportunities. They didn't have any in the Boston area, but they had some in DC and California. And, you know, uh, my wife at the time were talking about it. And all of a sudden she basically looks at me. She's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You can't do this anymore. She's like, yeah, the whole marriage thing, you know, basically she wanted a divorce. So I'm like, Ooh, this is a fun month. Oh. This was within two or three weeks, you it's, said? Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact yeah. time frame. I actually went and pulled out the letter a week ago that I still have. And then on our divorce paperwork, um, you know, it said sometime in October of 2008 is when, you know, you have to put in a date when things started kind of happening because in Massachusetts, there's we didn't have kids, thankfully. There's a six-month window that you kind of have to wait. Um, so it was basically uh, that component. So I'm like, wow. Uh, so just quick, was it, were those related at all? I mean, or was it just timing? In other words, no, it was it timing. I think okay. that kind of, there was, yeah, it was more timing than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of broke the cam, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I mm -hmm. think. Sure. Uh, but didn't, you know, didn't help, I guess. Yeah. But... Things were not, um, you know, all, you know, uh, mm -hmm. sunshine and uh, rainbows and elephant <laughs> unicorns, pink devil, unicorns yeah. whatever it is. And how long uh, had you been married for? Just curious. Uh, almost seven years. Okay. So yeah, seven, seven year itch. 
Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you know, we were, <laughs> we were talking before about, you know, I, with this show, I don't want necessarily want to get into, you know, comparing levels of adversity, but it's almost, it's, it's almost unavoidable, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's some serious adversity that you were facing yeah. within one mm -hmm. month. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I kind of look back, I mentioned this before we came online, you know, I look at adversity like my grandfather who lost his son in Vietnam. And then a few years later, um, his wife got ill with MS, you know, lost the ability to walk and eventually succumbed to it, you know, within a decade. So, you know, within basically 10 years, he lost his son, his wife. So that to me in overcoming that's yeah. more adversity than, Hey, look, I can sure. get a job. I can get another, you know, uh, spouse, which I did both. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know how I moved Jamie, I moved pretty yeah. quickly. Yes, uh, you did. <laughs> so, uh, so I literally, uh, got a job, uh, originally it was, I was going to come to Cal go to California, uh, because they, there was a project that was a really awesome project that was, let's just say a, very famous professional football player and his very famous wife were building a house in LA uh, that ended up not getting built, but that was possibly where I was going to go to. But instead, I ended up going down to DC and literally on like November 30th or December 1st, I packed everything I had into my car and drove down to DC. And the only so, thing I left were my two dogs that I'd come back and get once I found housing. Wow. I mean, so, but it, it sounds like certainly with the employment, you didn't have much of a choice as far as the, the job ending. Um, and then, you know, it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of choice on either front as far as kind of fixing or changing things that were happening to you. But, but what I want to know is like, what was your, what was your mindset at that point? Uh, very anxious. I did have an opportunity to stay up in the Boston area for another company, but I was more comfortable going back to my old company, even though it was in another region. And to me, it was like a fresh start. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically everything that had just gone on, getting away and probably running, you know, part of me is probably like as running away possibly from everything uh, was probably the benefit because, you know, if I had to go, like I said, face my parents and stuff like that and my sisters, you know, I'm not, I was nervous about their reaction because I viewed it as a major failure and I hate the fail. So part of me thinks that it was almost like I was running away from my problems, mm. uh, coming, going down to the DC area. And now mm. that I look back and reflect on it, that's, I think what I was doing. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I haven't thankfully I haven't had to deal with either either thing but okay so you were mm -hmm. looking at different job opportunities and you and you wanted to relocate it sounds like yep so and literally like I said I've just packed everything in my car drove down to DC area and it was like hey you know fresh start and that's what I did found a place to rent uh after about a month or two after the new year and then went back up to Massachusetts got got our dogs um because in our divorce agreement. Um, you know, I got, I, I had custody of the dogs. Uh, but one of the things I'll just mention that I think was the benefit was like, I still get along with my ex-wife today. And there was of course some rocky times during that divorce, but it actually was pretty smooth sailing to resolve everything. And we came up to just one resolution at that time, instead of dragging things on for years and so forth. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, we were both very fair when it came to resolving things, which I got to give you know her credit for being fair in that uh, aspect. That's good. I mean, and then the other, one other thing you mentioned before we hit record was your financial situation at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, 
she likes to spend money. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, let's, you know, we had, let's see, I mean, we had a Porsche Cayenne was one of our vehicles. I think the other one was an Audi TT at the time. Uh, you know, we had a house. Uh, she would go out a lot with her sister, whose husband was very well off. So I think she was trying to live up to that. I walked out of it probably about 250000 in debt, would be my guess. All said and done. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, focus on the adversity too much, but it's, I mean, it was very real. And that's, those are three major things yeah. that you faced. I mean, I, I had a very good paying job. So mm -hmm. that was, I knew I would eventually recover. Um, just it was a matter of how much time and kind of, I just bore down and focused on, you know, you know, again, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and just mm -hmm. uh, kept plugging away. So. Well, I mean, I can tell you from working with you and, you know, when I first got into the note space, you, you know, you were a mentor of mine, not saying you're not anymore, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things about you is you are very optimistic. I'm sure you're not always optimistic 24 seven, but you always know there's a way to, to get out of a bad situation or, you know, and it's mm -hmm. just, you're creative and figure out a way to, to make it work. So, um, anything bad there? Yeah, I used to be extremely pessimistic. Uh, and my wife has been the one who's really turned me around from a maturity level of being very immature back in the day, being a positive thinker, and just, you know, thinking about the positive thoughts, because negative thoughts brings more stress, and it doesn't benefit you, it doesn't allow you to grow. Or if you think the positive thoughts, you know, you still need negative, understand what negative things can happen. But when you look at the positive thoughts, it actually, I think, powers you to do more. Hmm. That's definitely powerful. And I've seen that play out. So and now just the quick, um, you know, from you got the new the new job in DC, and then take take us uh, through today. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, met my wife and got remarried in 2010. At the time, she had a wonderful six year old daughter. And then we end up having a child in 2011. And 2012, we built, um, you know, we bought property to build our house. And that was, to me, one of the major accomplishments of my life, because I always wanted to build my primary residence. And we were able to accomplish that. And it was something that, again, I look back to this day is one of the major milestones in my life. About a year later, I woke up, we were on vacation uh, in New Jersey and a bunch of uh, guys in college with, but it was all families. And I was just really stressed and driving home, I wasn't feeling well. And I broke into having a lot of chest pain and a fever and everything like that. So we ended up going to ER and what, like I, something just didn't feel right, but they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, this was on like a Friday night. We actually left vacation early. And then that Monday morning, it may have been Sunday. No, it was Sunday or Monday morning. Uh, I woke up and my hands and feet were completely, you know, you know how like sometimes you fall asleep on your arm and it just doesn't yeah. work. It wasn't that though. It was like, I looked at them and I couldn't feel them and kind of, they were like shaking a little bit, but I couldn't feel them. So I looked at my wife, I said, this ain't good. And she's like, what? I'm like, I literally can't use my hands or feet. It's like, uh, yeah. So we go to the hospital and, you know, I was in the hospital for probably a week going through just batteries and batteries of tests. 
And it ended up being something called uh, transverse mellitus, which is like a one-off episode of MS. And a lot of times it potentially could lead to MS and they were checking me in one of the ways they check for MS is a brain scan to see if you have something going on in your brain. I had none of that, but I did have some serious inflammation in my spinal fluid, uh, spinal taps, by the way, not fun. Uh, if you've never had one, don't recommend them. Uh, so women you, who have the epidurals to give birth, yeah. even more, you know, <laughs> more credit well, to you. Yeah. i joke with my wife, I've had more epidurals than she has. But um, so and you were about what 35 at this point? Uh, 13, 38. 38. So, okay. Yep. Gotcha. So I was right around um, pretty young. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. And, you know, look, looking at it, it's like, so that kind of clicked in my head of, you know, had me thinking, you know, if I were to ever get sick, you know, what and then I was looking at like what long term disability and how much that costs. I'm like, mm -hmm. damn, that is expensive. So I'm like, okay, I got to kind of get my shit together and figure out what I'm going to do. And my boss at the time also had bought, he had rentals in San Diego and he was kind of in my ear, like, you, you got to get real estate on your own. You know, you're not going to retire doing um, what you're doing. So, you know, our house had good amount of equity in it. So we took some equity out and started doing some uh, buy and hold rentals, but we were doing the bigger pockets burr strategy. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, two of those where we bought properties, cash, renovated them, got all our money back out. They were cash flowing. Uh, so we did that twice. But after the second time, we, you know, my wife looks at me and says, okay, like our son at the time is three years old. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. this is a lot just, of work. It's yeah, it's just a lot of work on the weekends and our daughter and stuff. So basically we kind of quit doing that, but I was still chomping at the bit for <laughs> mm -hmm. what else I could do. And then I found note investing. I'm like, wait a second, I could do this anywhere at any time. Mm -hmm. And if something were to ever happen to me, uh, where I lost any part of any functioning, um, from, you know, you know, mobility or something like I don't need any of this. Yeah. So I could do this from anywhere. So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, Awesome. Yeah. So I mean, you, you and I talk a lot about, you know, what the gurus say versus reality, mm -hmm. but that's one that definitely is true. You, it's location independent being a node mm -hmm. investor, and then it's mm -hmm. not physically active. Yep. So in that, mm -hmm. in that sense, it's passive for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so then, I mean, you know, that was what, five, six years ago, you started down the, the note space six, yeah, seven so years ago. 2016, I started and it was the spring of 2016. And I spent about six months getting involved in uh, all the due diligence and research and understanding. And then late 2016, I pulled the trigger on like four assets uh, and started, you know, you know, wanted to start growing my business. Then I started using my own money. Then early 2017, uh, my father had been sick for many years, and unfortunately, he ended up passing away in early 2017. So that took me a little bit to, uh, you know, help with, you know, my mother, the estate and so forth. So I'd take a few months off. And then that summer, again, I had another incident with my hands again. Uh, so I was back in the hospital again for that. And it wasn't, uh, you know, they couldn't figure out what it was until basically I'll fast forward to 2019 in a minute of what I ended up figuring out what I had. But so I spent 2017 kind of in and out a little bit of the note space and, but I was still slowly gearing up to start buying. And, you know, from that perspective, I was making money. 
but every single dollar I made, I was reinvesting into my business, which eventually paid off in 2018 when I had my attorney draft some documents for a fund that were sitting on the sidelines. And lo and behold, an opportunity came up um, to purchase close to a million dollars in assets, which uh, I had the documents ready to go. So we pulled the trigger and did a fund at that point in time. And that really was probably the major thing that kind of launched my note investing. And it was one of those things where it was like, didn't even have time to think. It was just like, I'm just doing this and go. And I was confident I could do it, but it's still looking back. It's still very scary. <laughs> yeah. And you raised, you raised a good amount of money quickly, I think, right? We raised 900 grand in a week through myself and uh, Gail Greenberg at the time was uh, mm -hmm. helping me. Yep. She was my partner. Yeah, so that, time. And then, and yeah, and you and I joke like you you just always wing it, but that's really not true. It's like the reason you were able to wing it or react so quickly was because you were prepared, you know, yeah. with your fund documents. So, mm -hmm. um, you, you're not always flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> no, it seems that way, but it's always, you know. And I had this conversation with someone recently that I've been planning certain things for periods of time and I'll have a casual conversation sometimes to gauge people's interest in things. But again, mm -hmm. I'm not opening up my entire playbook. I'll basically kind right. of, you know, open up the the you know the intro to it, kind of gauge sometimes people's interests and they think, oh, I'm winging it. And I'm like, well, if you actually saw the entire playbook, you know, we've got the entire game plan scripted for, you know, every single defense that uh the coordinator is going to be thrown at us. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And you can't control the markets and conditions and what happens to you, obviously listen to your story. You, it's mm -hmm. not like you, you know, predicted those things to happen, but you mm -hmm. always, you're prepared and have a, a way of figuring things out. So, um, mm -hmm. so then obviously in the last, since 2016, well, since that fund started mm -hmm. 2018, right. Um, yep. you've really kind of ratcheted it up even more. And you now you and I run a fund together and then we started mm -hmm. we invested in a servicing company and uh, I know you have plans for the future as well. So um, you're just on a, still in a much, very much in a growth uh, pattern, I, I would say, or growth phase, at least looking from the outside. Is no, that fair to say? It's very fair to say. And one of the things that I struggled with a lot, as you know, over the last five years is because of being, I'll, I'll say, burned, you know, when you have a you know, someone you trust, like a spouse, and kind of they burn you, you know, it does sometimes cause you have trust issues, just, you know, I'm human, mm -hmm. it's real, and so forth. Uh, you know, and I've had issues in the past where I've had some good friends, um, you know, I've lost trust in them for certain things that have occurred. So a lot of my business has always been I've gone at it alone. Now I've spent considerable mm -hmm. money on software to assist in managing it and automating as much as possible. But it was very difficult for me to bring on, you know, individuals like, you know, you and I, of course, we partner in a fund and also um, invested in certain things. But that's kind of a that's more of a business relationship where right. I'm considering more of like a, an employee type, you know, relationship component. And, you know, finally, it took me till basically, you know, pretty much, you know, this past month before I finally considered, you know, bringing somebody on full time, you know, I've had people kind of do some part time stuff. But I re finally realized is if I need to grow, I kind of mm -hmm. got to start putting trust in other people again as well uh, from that perspective. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, we did at IMN, I was on a panel about what do you outsource versus what do you bring in-house? and um, mm -hmm. But we didn't get into like the human element of, yeah. <laughs> of mm -hmm. it. So that's, that's really interesting. So um, 
what are some of the takeaways you would say uh, that you've taken from your adversity that you've applied through to the rest of your life? The, definitely the positive thinking. I am the type of person that while if something negative does happen, it's still in kind of the rear view mirror that, but I use that to drive me not to go back to it to bring me down. I mm -hmm. use it to, I use it to propel me. And I think is one of the major things, uh, you know, I almost use it like a chip on my shoulder a little bit to mm -hmm. really push me. I think that is one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is, you know, when they get down, they kind of get in a rut. And for me having kind of, you know, several scares of health issues, uh, you know, between 2013 and then, you know, in 2019, um, you know, I basically was having, you know, some more challenges where I went and they did a, I was having some hip pain mm -hmm. and they did a ultrasound and like something's wrong with your liver. And I go for an MRI and the guy's like, what are you here for? I'm like, Oh, something with my liver. He's like, yeah, there's a mass on your liver. And I'm like, uh, hello. Nobody told me that. Of course he was wrong. It wasn't, um, wow. it, what he wasn't even, that was they're reviewing, but I end up finding out I have a hereditary issue when my body doesn't get rid of iron and my liver had too much iron in it. And that was, actually part of what was causing a lot of my issues from previous uh thankfully knock on wood it's something that is manageable under control and i should i'll live a normal healthy life mm -hmm. now but um you know when somebody tells you something like that it still mm -hmm. freaks you out and having seen some health issues of family or other people uh once you have kind of one of those scares it really opens your eyes i think to be not a cowboy but you know not mm -hmm ultra conservative of always taking the easy way out on things. It's like, mm -hmm. Hey, look, I want to be the best person I am because I realize I'm only here for a certain amount of time. And right. Hey, while I'm here, I'm going to make the most of it and no, have fun really... at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And you and I have talked about this before and it's just, you know, as far as you, you know, I, you probably don't care as much what people think of you since you've had those health scares. And I don't mean that like you don't care what anyone thinks about you. Of course, we all care and you should, right? But you're not going to please everybody. And like you said, you only live once. So make the most of it. I mean, anything to add there? Yeah, it's you can't worry about what other people think about you. You got to create it. You're, you know, you want to have an inner circle. You want to surround yourself with people who are going to be positive and also people who can push you. Uh, you know, there's that saying that you're the average of like the five people you hang around with and so forth. Yeah, I know there's some people who I've upset or, you know, I've probably said things that upset people that, uh, you know, I, you know, at the time probably didn't mean or may have been misconstrued from that perspective. But again, you can't please everybody. And for me, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll say put my blinders on tunnel vision and focus on my plan. And if people want to come along for the ride, great. But you know, if you're going to be a hater uh, on something, great. You know, all it's going to do is actually drive me, you know, give me even more desire to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. It, you're not going to have a lot of regrets. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I don't know, but you, you know, I like, I love the approach because I know, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, in, again, a lot of this goes back to my wife because of, you know, she's a thousand times smarter than I am, but also just her emotional intelligence on, you know, if you just spent all your time regretting everything, you can never mm -hmm. move forward. You can never grow. You know, it's all about living, learning, and moving on. 
And mm -hmm. again, everybody in this world has some adversity. Life is hard. We have a daughter who's, you know, going to be going to college. And, you know, that's what we said. We said, life isn't easy. Life is hard, but you got to make the most of it and just understand, surround yourself with people who can support you, like family and your friends. And, you know, they'll be there for those times when it truly gets hard. But nothing in life is easy. Yeah, that's really good. Um, as we start to wrap up here, I'm going to fire off a few uh, rapid fire questions. Are you ready um, for this? <laughs> I just know it can be edited. <laughs> All right. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who, who would you choose? Ooh, I would say ooh, probably Abraham Lincoln. Okay. It's a good one. So, and uh, if you want to, re my reason yeah, why, because yeah. why is, you know, I always compare him and Washington where Washington created something, you know, mm -hmm. basically what Lincoln took, what the country had created and really made it, you know, expanded it significantly. It's one of the things where I'm probably not the individual who can come up with something that is a um, brand new idea. But I come up with some ideas that are spinoffs of things that have tried to improve things. So that's kind of where I kind of fit myself in. Again, I'm not comparing myself in any way, shape, or form to Abraham Lincoln. But, you know, from that methodical standpoint of, you know, I can take stuff and I think improve it uh, from versus yeah. starting something being creative to start from scratch. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? A million? Who? Well, besides invest in notes, uh, no. that can be an answer. That's well, the answer. Well, actually, honestly, I would invest, uh, you know, component of it, and also look to spin that off. And this is a conversation I had with somebody recently is about taking, you know, additional profits from companies and so forth, and working on some type of nonprofit from in the housing, in the in the housing mm. sector of, of some way, shape, or form. Nice. Um, if you had to eat one meal, choose one meal to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, does it, uh, well, steak, but that would kill me because of the iron. <laughs> I love ice cream as well. Uh, and my wife and mother-in-law make this uh, Uzbek dish called plof, which is uh, like yes, rice I've chicken. Seen that, the word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is awesome. So hmm. I could eat that as well. Might have to get you on uh, Matt Four's podcast, uh, Ice Cream with Investors. Yes. So chocolate chip <laughs> or cookies and cream, you know, okay. my, uh, to, uh, but never mint. Do not, you know, mint chocolate chip is, uh, is a sin. Yeah. To, you know. I like that. <laughs> nice. Um, what is a book or two you'd recommend for my audience? Uh, <laughs> I know you have a list, even what you're trying to get through a hundred this year. I think. Uh, 60 this year. Okay. Uh, one. <sighs> There's so many good books lately that I've been reading. Now, one of them that I thought was unique was uh, a book recently that was called The Power of When. Hmm. And the reason I really like this book was it's all about each person had, we're all different, you know, and it really is a guy who's a sleep specialist, but you know, are you a morning person, afternoon person, or the type of person and how do maximize your output throughout the day based off of your, you know, chronotype, I think is what they're called. And, you know, most, and it was interesting because I'm a lion. Um, I'm an early morning riser and like I 
very productive in the morning, but a lot of people who are like us like to work out early in the morning. And he's like, that's the worst thing you can do because you should work out in the afternoon and that will give you that second win to finish off the day because in the afternoon we're slow. But the interesting thing is when you read the book, he's like, he's like, this is what you do and this is what you should be doing. But when it's like, this is what you do, I'm like, how does this guy like know who I am? It's kind of like, you know, a palm reader, like, you know, <laughs> oh, you get up early, you eat quickly, you know, you don't spend time with your family, you want to get up, go to work and get your work started. And all these you're looking things. around behind your shoulder or something. To yeah, see I'm like, you know, you. <laughs> again, like, okay, you know, just listen to my Alexa, my TV, or, you know, <laughs> my phone, right. you know, how's this guy listen to me? Uh, yeah, so the book was called The Power of When. That's one of the ones I recently read that I thought was very, nice. uh, you know, and it's not a, you know, an investing book or anything like that. It's really about self-awareness of yourself and how to better yourself. Nice. I like it. Um, what's a question you wish I'd asked, but I didn't, I didn't ask. Ooh, question I wish you asked, but didn't ask. Uh, what was my biggest failure? Yeah. What was your biggest failure? Uh, so actually this is kind of comical because this still grinds me to this day uh when i was in fifth grade going all the way back uh my father was uh coach jv basketball so i used to practice with the high school kids when i was in like fifth grade and we were playing in um like my fifth grade league and our team was undefeated i led the league in scoring all this and that and i choked in the championship game before the game i made like 15 free throws in a row, just practicing before the game Mm -hmm. in the game. I couldn't hit one for the life of me. We lost by two. I screwed up the inbounds pass at the end of the game. And my neighbor was on the other team and my neighbor had never beat me in anything. This is like the first time he beat me as well. And actually he's a, it's funny because he's a writer now for ESPN. Um, Oh wow. Yeah. Peter Thamel and, Mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. So, I still look back and I'm like, <laughs> it, that grinds me so much. Um, I'm sorry. It was sixth grade, uh, not sixth, fifth grade, okay. but sixth grade. Good, thank you for but, correcting. <laughs> yeah, it was that it just really drove me. And but seventh and eighth grade, we did win championship, but it's like, I don't remember those. I only remember <laughs> the sixth grade and kind of, you know, it's one of those things where I just felt like I let everybody down because, you know, it just, it's one of those things really? that just grinds me. Yeah. I remember I, that, you know, to the day of <laughs> God, well, I'm 40, you know, let's see, I was probably what, what are you, 11 in sixth grade, roughly? And, Something like you know, yeah, 11 and 12, so yeah. 30, 35 years ago, I remember it more vividly than, you know, my divorce story. So, no, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, being a, a former athlete myself, I'm still, I think we've talked, I'm still not over certain losses and things, but oh, yeah. Um, so. It's, I never will be. So, no. but, you know, mm. <laughs> that's funny and, and again people go through a lot worse things in life well, yeah uh, but sure. it's you know what is the things that you know drive people to be better it could be it's very when you look back at what drives a lot of people it's things that for other people are very inconsequential mm-hmm. in reality it's things that are really uh in, in individualistic in that sense yeah i mean it's like you know go watch the last dance we've talked about michael oh, yeah. jordan uh you know he would he would almost create not almost he would create stories yeah. that would motivate him yeah. and really all the, inspire they him. all do brady yeah. 
you know, does, yeah. you know, the one that I laughed at the other day was the Larry Bird quote. Someone popped up when, um, oh, yeah. did you, I posted, I, think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Craig Hodges made some comment about, um, Oh, yeah. Larry Bird in three point contest. And he's like, you know where to find me. Larry Bird's comment was, yeah, at the end of the Bulls bench or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh man. So, uh, I think a lot of uh, successful people have, you know, come from sports. And I, I love the, uh, there's a ton of life lessons you can learn from sports and, but just the competitive drive, you know, yep. I think is, is huge too. So is there anything else you want to cover? Um, where can our listeners reach out to you? Uh, sure. They can, uh, reach out to me. Uh, my email is Chris at the number seven, the letter E investments.com. Uh, that is our investment company, which is the number seven, the letter E seven E investments.com. I kind of shortened my last name a little bit there, put a little number in front of it. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Uh, if you're interested in more about note investing, you can listen to the good deeds, note investing podcast as well. And your, your website is 70 investments.com. Yep. Okay. Now you've got yeah. a, you always have different uh, fund offerings and you've got your, we have our Facebook group and then, uh, you've got a membership group and things like that. So yeah, one, um, one of the things that uh, I'll mention too is as part of the known investing space and you do this as well, Jamie, is we like to give back, you know, very mm -hmm. few things I physically charge for. I mean, I have a membership group that, you know, I spend, you know, an hour a week with plus with people and stuff and as minimal cost for everything else for information, you know, I give it away. You know, it's, there's no hidden secrets in this space. I'm not out there to make millions on all these training programs and so forth. I like to educate people just to be better for themselves and try and uh, grow their, grow their uh, businesses. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. This has been Thank you, really sir. good. <laughs> no, I, I know this is going to be a very popular episode. So I, you've added a ton of value. Like I said, it's something we haven't dived into too much as far as uh, on our, sh on the good deeds show, um, mm -hmm. you know, your, your background and your, your why. So I think it's really motivating for the listeners and, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's got a story and like, you've definitely faced some serious adversity and, now you're definitely living in the, in a, in abundance. So I appreciate you uh, sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, for people who have adversity, don't be embarrassed by it. You know, that was one of the things that I'll, my last little note is, you know, learn from it, grow from it, but don't be embarrassed from it. Your friends and family are there to support you. That's awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening and please go out and give us a rating and review. We appreciate it. And it helps others find the show and helps others benefit from people like Chris. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the from adversity to abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts that helps others find the show. And we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. 
They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.